Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom." And priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and elders in the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a voice, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to, who, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, good morning to everyone and let me add... My welcome, thank you for joining us, especially for those of you, you who are new, online, visiting, thank you so much for joining us, welcome, and once again, let's put our hand together for Gumption for leading us today and preparing our hearts for God's Word this morning. Thank you. Yes, yes, please, Paul, thank you. Sorry, I'm just, yep. So don't worry, it's not going to be a long sermon. I didn't bring my own lunch. All right, it's, it's, it's not a long sermon. Oh, well, maybe, I don't know. And th- someone did ask me like, last time I was up, it's like, Michael, you were telling some jokes. Am I allowed to laugh? <laughs> yes, please. With the weightiness of the subject we're going to get into and what's happened on Friday. Laugh. You are allowed to laugh. All right. I pray that as we share God's word this morning, that he will speak to us and that we will leave this place changed, maybe a little bit challenged. But as we engage in it more and more, I pray that we'll be transformed people more and more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Now, we continue with our series today, but before we do, I have a confession to make. Last week, Dan preached on the uh, nine plagues, and he mentioned that uh, Nick gave him four chapters to preach on. I don't know if you recall. If you haven't heard his message, please go online and um, listen to his message. The confession that I have to make is that it was actually me who gave him the four chapters Um, This was heavy on my heart, I had to confess, I'm repenting, it was heavy on my heart, because when I saw the 10 plagues, before Nick got to the board, I actually went up and wrote Dan's name on it, (laughs) right? Then I put my name underneath, and so Dan, I'm sorry, you're down at Thornley, doing a wonderful job, I know, Um, 
But once again, if you haven't heard his message, please, please listen to it online. Um, it's a, as Mike would say, it's a cracker, right? It's a cracker. Um, but it's important because today's message is really a continuation from last week's message. So a quick recap of last week. Moses goes to Egypt and demands that Pharaoh lets Israel go to worship God, but he doesn't. And um, God hits him, Egypt, with and Pharaoh with all these plagues. And we saw that last week. Uh, John, thank you. The blood, the frogs, the gnats, lice, uh, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And today we're going to be talking about the death of the firstborn. And Dan explained for us that the plagues were really a judgment on the gods of Egypt. But the last plague, as we see, is a judgment not only on the gods of Egypt, but on the people in Egypt. Right? It's a judgment on people in Egypt, including the Israelites. It's Gentiles and Israelites. It's a judgment on both. So our Bible reading for today is from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 13 and 29 to 30. So if you want to look at the screen and follow through, I'll try to be quick. It is a lengthy passage. Dan didn't read a passage. Heresy. He didn't read the passage. All four chapters. Um, but let's, let's get to it. All right. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is, for, is to be for you the month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each, what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old, males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the heads, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is, and this is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. This is the word of the Lord. Now, 
This is my prop for today. Um, during our, one of our summer camps, now, is there any youth? Any youth? Ooh. All right. All right. We'll pray afterwards, okay? Now, during our summer camps, Transform, we had a pet mascot, right? And um, one of the messages, and our great leader Marcus brought the message, and to have an impactful illustration, we had this lamb, and we named him Lambert, right? We named him Lambert, and um, so we asked our youth to look after Lambert, right? Lambert didn't have uh, this scarf on. There's a reason why the scarf is there. So we asked um, our youth to look after it, take photos with it, um, and so they did. They really embraced the idea. They really loved Lambert. They ate with him. They slept with him. They played with him. They even took him down to the beach, and he really became part of one of the family, and that's what we read today, right? God is saying, take a lamb and look after it. And for the four days, three, four days that the lamb was with the family, it really became part of the family. Well, the final night of camp came, and without the youth knowing, we planned and prepared Lambert for the message. John, can you show us the next one? There's Lambert. <laughs> now, you know where this is going, don't you? So while the kids were having their meal, we prepared Lambert like that, and um, the illustration was executed. I won't go into detail, illustration was executed. Um, but, but we had some trouble with Lambert, right? And um, Marcus had a blunt knife. He actually had a knife, but he had a blunt knife, and he could not cut through Lambert. And hence, um, the leader who, or the youth who actually saved Lambert sewed Lambert back together. And that's why Lambert is with us today. But throughout the illustration, we heard these cries of joy that was really disturbing. There was kids who were going, yeah! And there was kids going, no! And there was tears. It was, uh, but it was a very impactful illustration, anyway. <laughs> right? Impactful illustration. So as we start unpacking this passage, and, and with that, illustration in mind, what can we learn other than that uh, we shouldn't traumatize kids on camp, right? Well, last week Dan had a question, didn't he? What was the question? Does anyone know what the question was last week? Who is the Lord? Yes, someone said that, I think. I think I heard it over there. Um, who is the Lord? Well, if we were to ask a question for our message today, if we were to ask the question, the question would be, what is the cost of sin? What is the cost of sin? So let's look at how we might answer this. What is the cost of sin? Well, the first thing that we observe about the text, and it continues on from last week, is that our God is an omnipotent God. It's not hard to understand why God plagued the Egyptians. Their king was a cruel tyrant, and he would try to destroy the people of God, and Pharaoh would not let them go, choosing instead to keep them enslaved in Egypt. And by refusing to let them depart, he was preventing them from giving glory to God, 
the way God had intended. Right? He was holding that back. So God was justified in punishing the Egyptians with the plagues that we've seen and as we have heard last week. And by sending the plague after plague, nine in all, God was showing his power over creation. Now what Egyptians should have done in response was to repent. Repent of their sins and actually join Moses in giving praise to the one true God. Now, this is what we see. I know you ladies are studying the book of Jonah. This is what we see in the book of Jonah. When Jonah went to Nineveh and proclaimed, 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. How did the Ninevites respond? The Ninevites believed God. They believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They repented. They repented. However, the more Pharaoh suffered, the harder his heart became because of his heart was actually committed to the gods of Israel. Sorry, gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. So one by one, God defeated the gods of Egypt. Eventually, God sent the tenth and the deadliest plague of all, the death of the firstborn. And God says in verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods, all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Now, Pharaoh was considered a god who was the mediator to all the other gods of Egypt, And Yahweh truly exercised his power, his dominion, over his creation. His omnipotent power as creator over his creation. Secondly, we see that Israel had to have faith. They needed to have the Passover faith. What God did to Egyptians was no surprise. But what may seem surprising is the way God treated the people of Israel. And in this final plague, both the Egyptians and the Israelites, they were both under the sentence of death. It would would have been shocking for the Israelites to discover that for the first time during all these plagues, that their lives lives were actually in danger. All the previous plagues had left them unscathed because God had made a distinction between his people and Pharaoh's people. There was a distinction. However, the truth was that they too had sinned. Israelites had sinned, and they too deserved to die. The Israelites were guilty, as guilty as the Egyptians in the final plague. God taught them about their sin, Through the final plague, God taught them about their sin and his salvation. Now, for God's people has sinned in several ways. Firstly, they rejected the word of God's prophet. They rejected Moses. When Moses returned from his first sitting audience with Pharaoh, the Israelites greeted him by saying this, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. This is how they responded in Exodus chapter 5. Neither the Egyptians nor the Israelites would listen to 
God's word. They refused to listen. Secondly, the Israelites were also guilty of idolatry. Now, it's not mentioned in the Exodus, but when we go to the book of Joshua, in Joshua 24, and when the Israelites are renewing their covenant at Shechem, Joshua said this, Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. So even after the crossing, which Nick will talk about, even after they land in the, as they're going through and going into the promised land, they're still holding on to the gods of Egypt. And for this sin, God would have been justified in sending all the plagues, the Israelites, but he only sends this last one, only this last one. But we all know that God's people were sinners by nature. Right? This is the third one. We're sinners by nature. Israel's were sinners by nature. The mere fact of their humanity meant that they participated in the guilt of Adam's original sin. Scripture teaches us in Romans 3 that Egyptians, Israelites, even us today, even us today, all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Through the first Passover, God is showing us that both Israel and Egypt, Jews, Gentiles, are all under sin. Right, Romans 3, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And as Romans 6 says, and the wages of sin is death. That is pretty clear. The wages of sin is death. So the tenth plague was a sign of God's judgment against all of humanity. Now this is a reality that we must face that we all fall short of the glory of God and we too are under sin and the penalty of sin is death. But, but, this is a great one, but in his great mercy, what does God do? God provided his people with a way to be safe. This is true for all of us as well, as we will see, and we'll come to it. The reason the destroyer visited homes was not to destroy them, but to teach them, to show them, to help them understand about salvation, to let them know about sin and about salvation. Like the Egyptians, the Israelites deserved divine judgment, but unlike the Egyptians, they would be saved by grace through faith. But God gave them careful instructions about how to choose, care for, and finally kill the lamb. God then proceeded to explain what to do with the lamb once it was slain. God says they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides, the tops of the door frames, and of the houses where they eat the lambs. Further on, God says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It needed faith on the part of the Israelites to trust that God would be faithful to what he had promised. When I see blood, I will pass over you. They needed to trust in that. God saying, have faith, come under the covering of the blood to receive salvation, which leads us to the third point, which is 
the blood of the lamb. Why the blood of the lamb? For the Egyptians on the faithful night, the penalty or the wage for their sins was the death of their firstborn son. That was the price. We read, we've read, for there was not a house without someone dead. However, what God's people needed for salvation was an atonement. Death of something or someone else in the place of the firstborn, which God provided in the form of a lamb, a lamb offered as a sacrifice for their sin. So when God saw its blood on the doorpost, he knew death had taken place in that house. Did you hear that? Death has already taken place in that house. And he would pass over and the firstborn would live. What God required for salvation was the offering of a lamb to make atonement for their sin. And to offer a lamb, blood had to be shed. Now this is what God has always required. God required a shedding of blood even in the days of Adam and Eve. We see, it, see this in the offering of Cain and Abel. Once again, God provided what God required. He provided a ram as Abraham's firstborn son was asked to sac- be sacrificed. And as God institutes the festivals and feasts, every year God provided a lamb or similar sacrifice for Israel for the Day of Atonement. The high priest would bring an animal into God's presence and sacrifice it as a sin offering. God provided what God required, a substitute sacrifice to die for his people. Now, there's an obvious progression here. There's an obvious progression with the lamb serving as a representative for larger and larger groups of people. At first, God provided one lamb for one person. Right? Abraham offered a ram in place of his son Isaac. Next, God provided one lamb per household. It gets bigger. This happened at the first place, Passover, as we read today, and every family in the covenant community offered its one lamb for the household. Then God provided one sacrifice for the whole nation on the Day of Atonement. A single animal atoned for the sins of Israel. And finally, finally, the day came when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One lamb for the sin of the world. God was planning this all along. One lamb to die for all. And in his grace, God himself provided the lamb. God himself provided the lamb. Now, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Christ and his redemption are the subject of the whole word of God. The whole of Scripture is about Christ and his redemption. Clearly, this was true for the first Passover, which is like everything else in the Exodus. It's about Christ and his redemption. And to be sure that we don't miss the point, 
to be sure that we don't miss the point, 1 Corinthians 5 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And for Jesus to be our Passover lamb, he had to meet God's standard of perfection. Now, we read today the Passover lamb had to be physically flawless. Not only that, in the case of Jesus, he had to be utterly sinless and be a firstborn. The Bible is careful to show us that this is indeed the case. By virtue of his virgin birth, the firstborn Jesus was free from corruption of original sin, nor did Jesus commit any actual transgressions. Peter said, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Hebrew 4 says Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. Even Pontius Pilate saw this. He said, I find no basis for a charge against him, none whatsoever. Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world for both Israelites and Gentiles. The first Passover demanded that a firstborn die or the blood of an unblemished lamb be shed. And God provided in the final Passover the lamb. Jesus, the firstborn of God and the lamb of God, both requirements of the first Passover all wrapped up in one person, the person of Jesus Christ, who fulfilled both of those requirements. And as he died on the cross, as he died on the cross, he took the sins of the world for all of humanity, for all eternity, until he returns. Until he returns. God provided. What is the cost of sin? Let's just pause and let's consider that question. What is the cost of sin? Cast your mind back to the night in Egypt. What would have, what would have been like on that night to realize and to know and to experience it in a tangible way, the gravity of sin? the weightiness of sin, the cost of sin for all of those who were in Egypt. And over the centuries, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lamb were slain. You know, Second Chronicles 35 recounts the Passover that King Josiah provided where Josiah provided for all the lay people who were there a total of 30,000 sheep which was sacrificed and also 3,000 cattle just in one day for the sin of one nation. What about the sin of the whole world over until Jesus comes? All that sin... And Jesus takes it upon himself. What is the cost? The cost is death. It's death. But the perfect sacrifice fulfilled both requirements of the first Passover without blemish, 
the Lamb of God, the firstborn, shed his blood and died that we may be saved. Now, Jesus offered himself as an unblemished to God. Praise God for that. And, it, and, only, and only in his resurrection has the battle against sin and death been overcome. It's overcome. It's done with now. So let me summarize this way before we come to communion. It is significant that Jesus was crucified right at the time of the Passover feast. It helps us to see the connection between the Passover and the first Passover and the last, final Passover. The day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem was the very day that they say that the Passover lambs were driven into the city and he was part of that. How symbolic is that? And when Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, he was celebrating the Passover meal. No, I don't think you can get uh, Uber Eats for Passover meals, but uh, we'll leave that. Um, and his disciples didn't understand it at the time. But what Jesus was really saying was that Passover is all about me. I am the Passover lamb. All over the city, as the fathers were getting ready to make the offering, gathering their families together and saying, God has provided a lamb for us. Well, at the Last Supper, everything was ready. But the disciples would have noticed, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? The head of the new family, head of the new family, Jesus gets up and says, this is my body. This is my blood. The lamb is not on the table because the lamb is at the table. The lamb is at the table, and I am the Passover lamb. Offering himself as the lamb of God, taking away the sin of the world. And this is great news. This is great news. Because there will be a day of final day of judgment upon all of us. Not only the Egyptians, not only the Israelites. Everyone. All of humanity will be before God, and we will be made account of our sins. Not each household, not nation, but every individual. But praise God for Jesus. When we come under his covering of his blood, we are safe. We are safe. We receive salvation. So as we come to communion, let's consider this. The table set before us is a reminder to us of the price paid for our sins. And through his loving sacrifice, as we come under the shelter of Jesus, his blood, we are safe. And this is offered to everyone. This is offered to everyone. We are never too far from God's loving embrace. There is nothing that we have done in the past or nothing that we will do in the future that will separate us from God. We only need to humbly come before Jesus and repent. We need to repent of our sins, not like Pharaoh, right? Not like Pharaoh, but like the Ninevites. We need to come and repent of our sins, seeking forgiveness, coming under the covering of his blood. But at the same time, we don't want cheap grace. We don't want grace that costs us nothing. Yes, grace is freely given to us. 
The gift of salvation is freely given to us. But there's always a cost. We need to turn away from our sinful life, not in our strength or in our ways, but in his strength, through his strength. And in his ways, we need to come before God. What is the cost of sin? The cost of sin is death, but in Christ is life, for he has paid it in full. So as we are reminded that our Lord Jesus on the night he betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, this is for you, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, proclaiming Jesus as our Passover lamb. And it is in his blood that we are covered and we are safe, knowing that our sins have been forgiven and we have been made right with God, that we may have hope on this side of eternity. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that in your grace, you provided the one lamb, Jesus, to die for the sins of the world. And help us, wherever we are on our faith journey, to surrender our gods, surrender our doubts, surrender our pains and our hearts, our struggles, our unbelief, to your omnipotent power, to faithfully trust, to embrace the one true and to accept Jesus as the Son of God, as our Lord, our Saviour, for he was the Lamb of God who died for our sins. And as he was raised to power, we know that we may receive forgiveness and will be covered by the blood of Jesus. And may we live with eternal hope. And we pray all this in the merciful, gracious, and loving name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.